Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day, Lord, for the tradition that you have given that is rooted deeply within your word. That as we test what is of man and what is of God, Lord, that you give us clear definition into who we are as your people. Lord, that we follow your word and not that of any man. Lord, we ask this morning that you would break your word small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray. Amen. Over the past few weeks, our series on being fed up has led us through the different lectionary text for the month. And in theory, all of these messages and all of these series should continue to build so that as we continue in ministry together that we are constantly growing and constantly moving. Never static and stuck in one place or time, but rather one that is dynamic and always flexing while still clinging fast to the Word of God. I would invite you this morning, if you have brought your Bibles along with you, to turn to our Gospel text from Mark chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled. We're called to meet folks at the bar. And before you raise eyebrows and begin to make assumptions, I'm very specific in how I say this phrase because we like to set the bar high for what we expect of people when they come to worship and when they call themselves Christians. And often the bar that we set is very different than that which God sets through his word. And so in that, we are called to meet folks at the bar. To meet them where they are. And yes, in some cases, that means actual bar. But in many others, it means actually setting aside the things that are what we call adiaphora, things neither commanded nor forbidden in Scripture, and sticking solely to what the Word of God says so that we can meet people where they are. Making the laws... It's always easier than actually having to follow them. And our appearance as church folk doesn't define our identity. 
In our gospel text today, these Pharisees and scribes, these folks who really, really, really love being Jews and the Jewish tradition and everything that comes with that and being able to say that if you watch how I live and you look at what I look like and you listen to the words I speak, oh man, I just love being Jewish. And they're all about it. It is part of their identity. And yet so much so that as we hear in our text today, that they are so focused on the outward actions of being Jewish that they have ceased to believe why they really are in the first place. They loved that it set them apart. That it tied them to something ancient. And for these folks, they also loved the power that they held within that structure. When they wouldn't have had that anywhere else. But we do not make the law. That which is written upon our heart, that which comes straight from the hand and mouth of God Himself. But instead, we're just people trying to obey it by grace. We talk a lot about how we are people that walk by faith and not by sight. And another way to say that is that we live and forgive by grace alone. We live and forgive by grace and forgiveness for everything else. God sets the bar for whom may enter low enough that even a child with filthy hands can easily step across it, and yet high enough that the self-righteous still smack themselves in the head. It's not about us. Each Sunday I end the message by saying that God gets all of the glory now and forevermore. And I do that very intentionally to remind me and to remind you that it's not about us. It's all about the other guy. It's all about Jesus. The commandments that God makes are for our own good. And the laws and traditions that we establish are for our own good. Do you see the difference? God does this to protect us from the mess that we've made while the other preserves our preferences, our practices and our perspective. 
And I would fear to say that if our hands are clean, then we haven't spent enough time actually getting them dirty. If our hands are clean, we are not doing something right. If our hands are anything short of filthy, then we have failed the mission of the gospel. And it's about us and not about him. In Jesus' day, being with certain people or in certain places made you unclean or defiled. In our day, not much has changed. We still cast stones and criticize people that we are uncomfortable with, that we can't understand. And frankly, oftentimes that we choose not to try to. But we meet folks at the bar because that's where everyone is equal. Equally sinful, equally guilty, equally condemned without Christ. The practice of ministry is a whole lot messier than the theory of it. If we spend more time sitting in meetings talking about ministry than we actually do in ministry, we have failed the gospel mission. And it's about us and not about him. Faith is about more than saying the right words in the liturgy and then performing the right actions and living in a pure way. And actually, if we think about it this way, then it sounds a whole lot more like an incantation or a spell that you might see in some pagan tradition instead of a Christian one. It's about hope. And where that hope rests when we don't have it straight, when we don't have it right, when it is unclean, when it is defiled. The words of the gospel call us to an inclusive, pub-oriented approach to ministry. And this isn't to say that we should do this where everybody has a beer in their hand, but one where we sit and communicate and console and comfort in an environment that allows us to be real and raw at the core of our humanity in the fallen brokenness that we are born into and redeemed from. And it's uncomfortable. And it's ugly. And sometimes folks cross a line with us and we go, I, you know, that's a little further than I'm okay going. 
but I'll be here when you get back. It calls us to an inclusive, pub-oriented approach to ministry in a way from the clean-cut, country-club mindset of entitlement by tradition. Where we do things for the sake of doing them because they've always been done that way. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. Now I will be the first to admit that the gospel doesn't make sense and it makes us look crazy. But this is a different kind of crazy than where the Apostle Paul writes and says that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. There's a huge difference between the two and the way that folks communicate and conduct themselves. The folks that Jesus and the disciples spent the most time with were sick, demon-possessed, and unclean by every established structure and system. If our traditions, if our structures and our sensibilities are offended by those, and I mean everyone that we are called to be with, the issue isn't with them. And nine times out of ten, it has nothing to do with the gospel itself and everything to do with how we communicate it. There's a very clear delineation in our gospel text today between where these Pharisees and these scribes and they come to Jesus and they say, why don't you and your disciples follow the traditions of the elders? Why do you eat with defiled hands? While the other side of the table presumably never stops eating. See, the problem isn't with the fact that they were eating with defiled hands, but the fact that they made the structure squirm. That they upset the status quo, and that, in fact, in doing so, they set aside the traditions and the commandments of men and went all the way back to the one true foundation that we have in God's Word. And stands there unwaveringly so. Our non negotiables are things with eternal impact not things of earthly importance. We don't waver on our theology or who Christ reveals himself to be in Scripture or our need to be saved solely by grace through faith. We don't move from that. 
But because we don't move, we have such great freedom in how we are able to convey and communicate this gospel narrative that fills and consumes us and then compels us back out into the world. The fact is, we are stewards of God's work in the gospel, but ministry always belongs to God. It's not about us. Say it with me. It's all about Him. So we should be fed up with consuming anything that doesn't build up the body. We are compelled by the gospel to call out and be fed up with anything less than the bread of life itself. That we should set aside the things that we hold as a sacred cow and sacrifice on the altar of ministry for the sake of tradition and the commandments of men so that we hold fast instead to the word of God. Now that doesn't mean that the words that we speak and the traditions that we hold don't still have a place, but they never, ever become more important than the gospel itself. You see, the church is a body and does not exist outside of flesh. Which means that we are just as much a church if we gather in the parking lot as we do here in a building. Which means it doesn't matter what color the paint is on the walls or what the floor of the carpeting looks like or any of that. That's all adiaphora. But Jesus is clear that he alone He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And that where two or more are gathered in his name there, he is present also. So we look forward to meeting our neighbors at the bar, where we're all welcome with open arms. Arms spread wide. Over the last two weeks, we've talked about acts of service, intentional discipleship, and invitations to worship. As acts of service, as we live in a world where it is increasingly more tempting to isolate ourselves away from the brokenness of others, how can you be intentional? and being in the middle of the mess. As we continue to partner with Lutheran Social Services of Alaska, what are some ways that you can be a blessing as they prepare for their annual Harvest of Hope auction? As ministry opportunities continue to abound with Anchor Lutheran School, We had the privilege last week of celebrating the opening week and recommissioning the teachers and staff for the beginning of a new school year. And so I would ask you today, 
How can you be a blessing in supporting anchors, teacher, and staff in their classrooms and ministries? And I would challenge you to actually seek someone out that serves with Anchor, get to know them, know their name, and know the needs that they have within their classroom so you know how to pray and you know how to respond. Intentional discipleship. As our family of faith continues to welcome new folks, how are you actively seeking out ways to grow deeper in your own faith. We're glad you're here on Sunday to worship with us. But this isn't the cure-all, end-all in your walk with Christ. This is one day amongst six others. How are you intentionally seeking out ways to grow deeper in your own faith? With the world bent on breaking down men and women of faith, who are you intentionally gathering with to be built back up? Women, maybe this is LWML when they gather for their meetings on Tuesday evenings. Gentlemen, regardless of how old you are, maybe this is showing up for men's breakfast every first and third Saturday of the month, sharing in some fellowship and some food and some study together. When the mess of ministry gets heavy, whom do you go to to share the weight? Invitations to worship. As we return to having two opportunities to worship on a Sunday, how will you be intentional about cultivating relationships with folks in both services? Our Old Testament text for the day ends by saying, The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord. And the poor among mankind shall exalt in the Holy One of Israel. When we meet folks at the bar where they are and it's all about him and it's not about us, then say it with me, God always gets the glory now and forevermore. Amen.